Hello, everyone. We are here with Anlo Deshamar, Chief Strategy Officer for the NG Group. Anlo is uh, joining us today. She was previously President and CEO of uh, Bureau Veritas uh, Construction, a subsidiary of the Bureau Veritas Group. And uh, she was also formerly uh, a member of the French uh, Government uh, High Council on Construction and Energy Efficient. We are super, super happy to have you here. Anne, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Hello, everybody. Anlo, you started uh, your career back in 2008 you have actually a very very impressive career and uh, over just 12 years you've reached such an amazing role could you briefly uh, walk us through uh, for us and for our audience your journey so far yes of course after studying in france and in the u.s i worked in investment banking and strategy consulting in the u.s for a few years and then i joined the french government in the ministry of energy environment and transport where i was in charge of, of large ppp and concession projects for a few years and then I, i i left the government to go and work for the private sector in an operational role in different operational roles actually and and, and then became the ceo of one of their subsidiaries which was uh, bureau veritas construction You know, since I've always been linked to the energy sector during my whole career, I really wanted to join a, a large energy group. And this is when uh, I decided to join NG and, and to, to be in charge of, of um, their strategy, innovation and, and research activities. That's amazing. That's that's perfect. And of course, we we, we all know uh, NG. It's one of the leading energy companies right now, certainly in Europe. And uh, as far as I know, NG is also leading the path for energy transition right now, right? Exactly. And and that's actually what really attracted me when I, I decided to join NG is the way they actually had done this huge shift. Uh, you know, they were leading IPP in the world, and they actually. Uh, a few years ago, decided to to really completely shift and, and, and switch to the energy transition. And, you know, they, they sold a lot of their carbon assets and they, they invested in renewables, etc. And so I thought it was actually very inspiring. And so this is why I decided to join. Uh, that was around 2016, right? If I, if, if I remember correctly, it was a exactly. massive uh, decision. Exactly. You've uh, decided, uh, I think it was uh, Isabel Kocher, quite a, a pivotal, I guess, a figure for NG back then, where you've decided to essentially divest things that they wouldn't be towards alternative energies and uh, focus everything in energy transition, right? And I guess it really paid off. So uh, I was reading up about NG uh, before, and since then you've more than doubled solar and uh, wind capacity, and you are market leaders in solar and wind in many uh, markets, uh, including France and Brazil, right? However, what I was um, seeing is that although you're you're investing a lot in uh, alternative energies, I wasn't very sure what's the role of gas in, you know, for NG. And what do you guys think about gas in the energy transition race that is happening right now? For, I mean, for, for, for us, we, we, of course, we've been um, pivoting completely, investing very heavily in renewables, in energy efficiency services, etc. But we believe that the role of gas is going to be key in the energy transition because it's actually um, in, in regions where we we're going to have very fast growing economies, the development of renewables is not enough and cannot cope with the energy demand growth. There's also real risks, you know, to balance the electricity system with blackouts in winter. We've seen that in, in, in different countries, in California, etc. Th this is why we really think that 
gas is going to stay key in the energy transition to reduce the, 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 the CO2 emissions. You see, for example, countries in, you know, in Eastern Europe that are today strongly relying on coal, like Poland, etc., and they're really asking for gas to stay in the debate uh, in the EU taxonomy. There's China. That's actually another good example. They're the, the first country, both in terms of renewable and of uh, coal power capacity addition at the same time. And they're planning to switch to gas massively in the coming years. Gas for energy is really the right transition energy. It's 50% less CO2 emissions compared to coal. You have no fine particle emissions, etc. It's 25% less uh, compared to oil. And so it's really an affordable way to go towards carbon neutrality and and to to you know to to follow the development of uh, power renewables wind and solar at the same time. For example, if you take electricity generation when you switch from coal-fired to gas-fired power plants, then you reduce the global CO2 emissions in the world for power generation by 10%. Same thing in mobility compared to diesel, if you switch to gas natural gas, then you reduce your CO2 emissions by 15%. And if you then switch to biogas, then you reduce to more than 80%. So it's really something where it's cheap, affordable way to go uh, towards the um, uh, carbon neutrality. And of course, in the end, we know that green gas, be it you know biomethane or green hydrogen, is going to become more and more affordable. And so natural gas will be switched to green gas in order to be uh, net zero by 2050, uh, at least. So this is kind of how we see the role of, of gas for us. It's crucial. It's a key transition energy. And we need to invest in it and continue to develop this until it becomes green and, and enables an affordable energy transition. That's fantastic, Anlog. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, and of course, you've had this uh, vision at least five, six years ago, which is which is amazing. It allowed you to to have this very privileged uh, position right now to to you know capitalize in this I think trend that the energy uh, industry is having right now, which is you know shifting uh, towards renewables a bit more. So for you then, what would be the focus for twenty twenty one? You mentioned gas. Uh, you mentioned uh, biogas. Where is your focus for the next year? No, so uh, great question. So. Uh, our main focus for 2021 will be on two levers. The first one is we want to really accelerate in renewables, but also in local distributed energy infrastructure. It's what we called energy efficiency services for our clients, because we believe that the energy system is going to become more and more decentralized, more and more distributed, and is going to happen through energy efficiency as well as greening the energy. Then second lever is we really want to simplify our group, which has been growing a lot in different countries, different activities, and is maybe too complex. So this is the second focus that we have for 2021. So if you go on the first focus, which is how do we want to accelerate and, and grow? So as you were saying in, in renewables, we already have a very strong position because we have more than 30 gigawatt of installed capacity. And, you know, we're number one in France for wind, number one in Europe for solar. And, and we're actually growing very fast. We've increased our capacity by 5 gigawatt this year and our target in 2030 is to reach 60% of renewables in our energy capacity mixed against uh, 30% today. We're also investing heavily in green gases. Maybe if you want, we can talk more about it uh, later in the, in the discussion, but we really think that it is 
a key enabler. And in local distributed energy infrastructure, which are integrated solutions for the energy transitions that we're offering, like tailor-made solutions, complex solutions that we're offering for our clients, be it regions, cities, industries. And, and, and the idea for us is really to advise our clients in a global way on their energy transition strategy and you know, on how they can commit to reducing their CO2 emissions. And we do this through different types of technologies and infrastructure like district heating or cooling, on-site solar PV, electric vehicle charging stations, etc., etc., or, or cogeneration, uh, waste and power cogeneration on sites, etc. And so we really have a very strong expertise on that. We're actually quite different from our competitors, which you know, don't have such a strong base in these small local infrastructures. And we, we really have you know, a state-of-the-art digital and data management tools uh, to really help our clients uh, towards their energy efficiency. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, and I really like the fact that you're trying to enable all of those local communities with uh, creating uh, integrated solutions. I think this is also another trend that we are seeing right now, uh, you know, smaller communities or smaller groups of, uh, of people, either, you know, cities or towns or even small uh, villages using uh, off-the-shelf kind of solutions or creating their own to, you know, uh, electrify their communities. So I think that's that's very spot on. Do you see any particular uh, areas or any particular markets, although based on your perspective, on your global perspective, that these kind of solutions could be very, very much used? Oh, yeah. Uh, so for example, we, we are actually starting, we have a lot of contracts with governments or with campuses like hospitals, university campuses, uh, cities. We have a contract with the Ottawa government where really we're helping them to uh, achieve goals in terms of uh, energy consumption and uh, CO2 emissions. And it's really uh, some contracts that are win-win contracts with target-based contracts where we commit together with them to achieve this by we, we actually invest in their energy assets, energy infrastructure, and we, we rehabilitate them, we convert them to green power, we uh, monitor the energy consumption to help them actually consume less. We, you know, we also invest the whole smart city space uh, in order uh, for the city to actually consume less energy in its, in its uh, functioning. And with very, very stringent targets to achieve, and all this is, is you know, contracted with the city or with the hospital or with the uh, university. And it's something where we see a huge demand. I mean, th these, these different cities, communities, and, or, or even large industries, this is not their core business. And they want to focus actually on what is core to them and to outsource the whole energy management, energy consumption, and greening their energy to a third party. And this is where we come being able to actually, uh, you know, put together all these different bricks. Amazing. That's fantastic. Anlo, we've actually seen uh, all of these trends coming up, um, you know, over the last uh, 12 months and uh, massively taking over the, the news. And, you know, there's really big hype around uh, renewables and everything that we've just uh, discussed. And this happened in a big way also uh, because of the oil and gas uh, demand dropping and the price of oil and gas uh, dropping substantially, right? Which made uh, all of these investments in uh, renewables and more, you know, uh, energy-related investments more viable and more um, lucrative for investors, right? So do you think that this hype will potentially slow down now that the uh, oil and gas price has gone back at the uh, levels that was uh, back in March, last March? So no, <laughs> short answer, no. Uh, yes. I think like renewables will continue to grow. I mean, it's, it's, it's one of the significant 
pillar of decarbonation. And, and I think there's actually no way back. And, and actually, even this year with the COVID crisis, we saw that the auction renewable capacity was, I think, almost 15% higher than for the same period last year. So we're each year is a new record. We believe that actually there's, you know, analysts show that there's approximately 100 billion euros of investment per year that are going to go into renewables between 2020 and 2025. And um, by 2040, they see that, you know, solar capacity is going to go times 10. It's going to grow five times uh, in wind capacity. And we're, we're, everybody's actually uh, realizing that decarbonizing our energy is an absolute necessity because it's you know, 75% of the, the, of the different emissions, uh, CO2 emissions, etc. come from the energy combustion. So we really have to do something. There's more and more markets like Europe that is you know, targeting net zero emission by 2050, China in 2060, Japan, South Korea. Everybody's going to accelerate um, towards the zero carbon emissions. And this is what I believe will just continue to accelerate the deployment of renewables. And actually, even the big oil and gas companies that you were talking about, like Total, etc., they all believe that the oil demand is going to plateau around 2030. And they're all rushing into renewables uh, as well. So I think it's going to continue. That's a very good point. Uh, and Laura, actually, um, what said uh, Stelios after COVID-19 strike? The energy market uh, numerous IOCs uh, like BP or Shell, uh, as you said, uh, big IOCs, uh, majors, they announced new objective on uh, net zero by 2050. So you, you just said that uh, maybe they would reach a plateau on uh, the market they are already in by 2030. So if they want to move towards this new market into the, the energy transition market and to achieve their net zero strategy, from the point of view of NG, that you are already, let's say, positioned in this energy transition uh, strategy for some years ahead from uh, these majors, you are seeing these majors coming into this market too. In your opinion, what technologies must be, should be deployed to achieve carbon neutrality for these majors? In our view, at NG, we think we need to have a very good balanced mix of innovations and technologies and that, uh, you know, there's no unique solution. Some people see it as a all massive electrification solution, but we don't believe it's the right one because uh, if we want uh, this energy transition to be as affordable as possible, as safe and secure as possible, we need to find an optimized mix of types of energies, of types of technologies. And so we believe that, that the right mix is intelligent electrification first, then gas and actually green gas, and then energy efficiency. And with these three pillars, then we'll be able to go uh, carbon net zero by 2050 in a reliable, efficient way. And we believe that all this is actually really interlinked, connected, and needs to be adapted to the local context needs, etc., as we've talked about before. So if you see, for example, if you talk about the electrification part, of course, it will be fueled by acceleration renewables. You've talked about it uh, earlier. Uh, in a two-degree scenario, we know that the renewable capacity should be multiplied by five in the next 20 years. So this is going to be a huge move, but we don't think that full electrification is a solution because there's still going to be variability of production. And so if we don't want the costs of electricity to increase too much, there's going to be an issue with the massive storage solutions that we will need, etc. So we don't think that full electrification is, is a solution. And this is where we think that natural gas, as I said before, and then green gas has a key, key role to play in the, in the decarbonization of the energy sector. It's first 
great affordable way to switch from coal to gas. And then it's a great way to make the energy system reliant with increased uh, you know, intermittent renewable energy that's going to come up. And this is why we're actually at NG investing a lot in green gas, biomethane, hydrogen, uh, in order to balance this renewable electricity, and also in order to decarbonize the hard-to-abate sectors, hard-to-abate sectors uh, in industry, mobility, etc., where you're you're not going to be able to do that with renewables and, and with battery range. And then third pillar is we need to reduce the demand for energy, and for this we need to you know decouple economic growth and energy demand growth by finding solutions to reduce you know consumption to uh, achieve more energy efficiency. And this goes through innovation, new technologies, etc., to help, the, you know, the, the, to, help to, to consume less and in a better way. So three pillars, electrification, gas and green gas, and energy efficiency. Very well, very well. I think it's pretty clear. Energy strategy is pretty straightforward. You're investing, as you said, in green gases, biogas, in uh, renewable hydrogen or green hydrogen. I was wondering, actually, if you were thinking of uh, playing a role as well in the scope of uh, blue hydrogen. I've seen uh, your company also signed an agreement. I think um, NG was becoming Total's preferred biogas and green hydrogen supplier or, or something um, framed in this way. I wanted to ask, ask you towards hydrogen, very focused on it. What is NG strategy towards hydrogen for the next few years? We've already always been a, a forerunner in this field and we actually have you know more than 30 projects in, in 10 different countries uh, currently going on. And for us, it is one of the key solutions of the future because it can... Um, as I was saying before, you know, reduce the carbon footprints of some industries where renewables is not the solution, where uh, power renewables is not the solution. And also it will contribute to the development of renewable energy in order to provide a solution to uh, intermittencies and provide flexibility. So for us, it's essential for a full and affordable decarbonization of the energy system. So how do we see it? We see it actually as something that will develop locally Driven by, driven by local authorities, by industrial clusters, etc., and where actually geographical coverage is going to be essential. There's going to be a lot of local needs, uh, and this is how we see it growing in the, in the first short term. We're really positioning ourselves on that way in a kind of multi-local hub approach, where we're going to you know, identify the, 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 the good sites to produce green hydrogen in the most competitive way, establish local partnerships, to generate, you know, large volumes of uh, hydrogen and have like real economies of scales, and, and be able to reduce the cost of production. And then, of course, we also need to multiply the uses of hydrogen so that we can increase the the, the installed base. Uh, an example of this is is as you said a project that we've that we're developing in collaboration with Total, which is the Massilia project, and uh, it's actually France's largest renewable hydrogen production site. It's uh, a 40 megawatt electrolyzer, uh, you know, that produces five tons of green hydrogen per day. And it's actually to, to meet the needs of, the, of Total's biorefinery there. And thanks to this, we're avoiding 15 kilotons of CO2 emissions per year. And, and it's a great project. It's very integrated. It's powered by solar farms uh, that are uh, locally there with a... And, and, and it's also a very complex and advanced project because it's piloted completely di digitally to ensure that there's always a continuous supply of hydrogen with you know, real-time management of solar electricity production, etc. So this is 
a wonderful project. And the idea is that we're going to continue to do this in many other fields. We're also developing things in hydrogen mobility uh, with buses, trucks, etc. And our target is by 2030 to have reached four gigawatt of uh, electrolyzers to produce hydrogen in Europe. And that's actually a lot because it represents more than half of the objective that France alone has set itself on the same horizon. We really want to grow fast and big and we're organizing ourselves for that. Thank you, Anlo. Wow, that's amazing. That's amazing and actually super impressive, super ambitious, you know, but I think ambition really drives a change. So that's a very, exactly. <laughs> right? So that's a very good goal. So uh, Anlo, thanks a lot for uh, almost uh, 30 minutes of uh, insights about NG. I think uh, something that, that I wanted to, to keep for sure is, uh, is your three pillars on how, how do you think we can go about uh, energy transition in a way that uh, essentially it will not cripple the energy industry, you know, because uh, I believe this is one of the biggest fears, right? We, we want to, to reach carbon neutral state, but how do we do it in a way that we still keep um, the energy industry intact? So uh, I'm going to keep your three pillars. I think they are spot on. Investing uh, in uh, electrification, green gas, and then reaching energy efficiency in order to use those three pillars as a vehicle to, to get us to, net, to uh, carbon neutrality by 2050. Exactly. Thank you for that, Anlo. And for hydrogen, it's a huge topic, right? We can even have a whole podcast about it. Uh, so I'm sure you definitely have a lot more things to say there. But generally... I'll be happy to. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for everything. Yeah, thanks for uh, having you and for sharing uh, all of those thoughts with us. Well, thank you very much for having me. I was I was delighted to, to, to share our views on, on all these uh, fascinating matters and really... Uh, important for our world's transition. <laughs> Perfect. Thanks a lot, Anlo. Goodbye. Thank you.